So Money Episode 658, Gunnar Lovelace, founder and co-CEO of Thrive Market. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Coming off a week of a lot of eating. Now we're entering the Christmas, Hanukkah, all those winter holidays and just just trying to everything in moderation, right? Well, if you're looking to stock up your pantry (laughs) this holiday season, as you know, we have a really nice offer here. Thanks to our sponsor, Thrive Market. If you go to thrivemarket.com slash so money, you can learn how to get $60 worth of free organic groceries and free shipping. Not a bad way to round out the new year, right? Maybe end it on a healthy note. Our guest today is the founder and co-CEO of Thrive Market, and his name is Gunnar Lovelace. Gunnar's been a lifelong health advocate and serial entrepreneur. Thrive Market is actually his fourth company, and he's on a mission to make healthy living accessible to everyone. You know, the prices on Thrive Market are radically low. I mean, much, much lower than you would pay at a place like Whole Foods. I ask him, how is he able to keep the prices so low? His answer, pretty good one. A pretty Pretty, pretty, pretty good, as my friend Larry David would say. Uh, quite smart. And so I got a little bit of a business strategy on that one. Uh, and also the food market, especially healthy foods, it's a $10 billion market. So how do you actually break in? And this, Gunnar also had a good answer for. It's not as hard as you may think. I mean, it's definitely hard. Gunnar was rejected 70 times by investors before starting this company. What happened after the 60th? time he got rejected or the 68th time that he kept on going? And then what happened after the 70th time? It's a really interesting story. He takes us all the way back. And speaking of going all the way back, you know, Gunnar has had a really tough upbringing. He talks about how he struggled with survival trauma, growing up poor. But despite all these adversities, Gunnar is making a difference for the better and he has the courage and the willingness to persist. Here is our So Money guest today, Gunnar Lovelace. Gunnar Lovelace, welcome to So Money. It's nice to be uh, speaking to the man behind the brand, the brand that so generously sponsors this show. A welcome. Thank you. There's actually many of us behind the brand, but I, I'm I'm one of the faces, and it's an honor to be here as founder and co-CEO of Thrive Market. Let's just get right into it. I mean, Thrive Market has really identified a need in the marketplace, and that is people who want to eat healthily, but also people who want to be price conscious. And so tell us about how Thrive Market is entering the market and disrupting it in some ways. Yeah, I mean, our, our mission is to make healthy living easy and affordable to everybody. Uh, the way that we do that is we buy directly from the brands and farmers and suppliers, and we cut out all the middlemen in the supply chain, and we pass those savings along to our members. So instead of making money on the product sales themselves, we break even and we have a membership, $60 a year. So effectively $5 a month, you get access to the highest quality 
organic and non-GMO groceries delivered to your home for free. Um, and it's, you know, all eco-friendly packaging and it's just a really beautiful community of like-minded consumers who, you know, want to live a healthy lifestyle, want to take care of their families, but also want to take care of the environment. Ah, so there is the answer to the question I had, which is how does the company actually make money? And it's not on the spread of the, of the sales of the products. It's the membership. Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're like a, a very curated, socially conscious, uh, healthy version of Costco online. Why aren't more people doing this? Why aren't more companies replicating this model? Well, I mean, it's hard to do and it's really expensive. I mean, we, we struggled to raise our money in the first, you know, first, uh, inning. We were rejected by over 70 of the top, you know, LA, San Francisco, New York venture capital firms. And ultimately that was the best thing that ever happened to us because the first eight and a half million dollars we brought in came all from, you know, mega influencers and bloggers. But, um, you know, it's just super capital intensive. We've subsequently gone on to raise, you know, over $160 million. And when you're shipping thousands of products around the country in a socially conscious way, you know, you have to be very uh, efficient um, with your operations and logistics. You have to hit a really high quality standard. And uh, and it's, that's a difficult thing to do. Any interest in being brick and mortar or is this really working out as more? I mean, you said it's cost heavy. Is brick and mortar just not even, I mean, then you'd, then you'd basically be Costco and then that's another, <laughs> that's a whole other level. Yeah. I mean, we have so much scale potential uh, just digitally online. I mean, there's, you know, so many people now that, you know, want to vote with their dollars. They want to access organic and non-GMO groceries at wholesale prices for the first time in history delivered to their home for free. But the, the, you know, we, we definitely look at brick and mortar and we've got some really interesting ideas, but it's, it's going to be a while till we approach that. You said 70 rejections. What happened after the 65th? You still had it in you, right? You're like, no, this next one's definitely going to be a yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, I think I, I tell a lot of other entrepreneurs, you know, the, the, the key, I think that one of the keys is, uh, you know, do, do, do what you love. And if you're doing something that you love, you're going to have the tenaciousness uh, to follow it through and never, never accept no. If you really believe that it's something that the world needs and it solves a big problem, that just because people say no doesn't mean that uh, one should stop. And I think I think just showing up every day is half the battle. Your last name is Lovelace. So what how does that impact you as someone growing up in the, in this world? I mean, names do a lot to influence and shape and morph who we become. I can say that as someone whose name is Farnoosh, it was yep. uh, not always easy. Um, how has your name, I'm curious because you have such a, a cool, interesting name and a loving name. How, how has that Im- impacted you as a, and in your perspective on things? Uh, tremendously. I mean, I, I, I had a lot of survival trauma, uh, growing up very poor, um, as, as, you know, single mom and seeing how hard she worked to make healthy choices. And, you know, I, I struggled with depression and, uh, being overweight and, uh, you know, my last name to, to your point, I mean, I was like Lord of the flies at school. So, so much so that, you know, I would get so heavily harassed and tortured, uh, for example, as a teenager that I, I literally had the documents at one point when I was like 12 or 13 to change my last name. Um, so, so I, uh, I have, uh, I think, you know, um, I think one, I have a lot of compassion and understanding for people that don't fit in. Um, and two, 
I think that, um, you know, those struggles and challenges have made me uh, a stronger, better human being. But, you know, there's there's clearly like trauma and things like that that I still find myself sorting through periodically. In some ways, that is that is what makes you great entrepreneurs. I mean, it's so many entrepreneurs as children and as adults faced adversity. It's like at that point when you're deciding whether or not to start a business, it almost seems like you it doesn't it doesn't uh, sort of set in the same way as maybe someone who didn't have a lot of challenges growing up. You you are more risk averse, uh, sorry, risk tolerant, I should say, and maybe also feel like you've been through worse things. You know, what's what's the worst that someone's going to say? No, I'm not going to give you money for your business. Life goes on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, you know, I, I have friends that have been you know come from uh, you know come from wealth and they've done really well. Uh, but I, you know, I know for myself, you know, I, I mean, I was a full ride scholarship student. I used to dumpster dive for food, uh, out of the back of grocery, you know, dumpsters in college for, you know, like I, I've, I just had to make it happen for myself. And, um, and, uh, you know, that, that there was just never, I just didn't never had the opportunity to, uh, fall back. I mean, I just, I just always knew that I either was going to make it happen or it wasn't going to happen. And Thrive Market is, I believe, your fourth company. And so where in your portfolio of companies, your serial entrepreneur, does this exist? And in some ways, do you feel like everything's been building up to this moment or that this is just a chapter in Gnar's book of, of creation? I mean, I think it's both. I mean, I think we we all have the opportunity to, to utilize the the skills and experiences and failures, aka learning experiences we've had along the way, to bring our best and most optimal self to the to whatever situation we're facing. Um, and and that said, you know, very specifically, you know, I I have been looking for an organizing principle that brings people together at scale around the common good my whole life, and I've approached it from various directions as a student of social enterprise, both in for-profits and non-profits. But what I, what I, what's been so gratifying and uh, beautiful to see um, in Thrive Market is just how scalable it is. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, what the color of your skin is. People want to feel good in their bodies. They want the same thing for their children. And when we help people access healthy food for less, we're empowering them, we're empowering their communities, we're dealing with some of the biggest macroeconomic issues. You know, we spend $300 billion a year, you know, just on diabetes related illnesses, which is largely driven by lifestyle choices and, and changing from toxic conventional agriculture to organic and regenerative agricultural supply chains you know, is, is arguably one of the greatest challenges we face as a species, you know, conventional agriculture is the second largest contributor of greenhouse gases. So I think it's been an incredibly gratifying experience to uh, be able to take advantage of all the skills and learnings and work with so many value aligned uh, employees and co-founders and stakeholders in really solving a problem that I think is really instrumental to our success as a species. That's true. Social consciousness scaled. I think that's uh, a great mission. Whole Foods just got acquired by Amazon. And in some ways you could argue that was a wonderful way to scale. But then some some critics have said, you know, this is totally the antithesis of I sort of like the, the the essence of Whole Foods to partner up with a company like Amazon, which is very profit driven. What do you think about that? I mean, where do you see the future going? If your company like yours were to 
scale to the utmost, how, what does that look like? Does it necessarily involve partners and acquisition or, or do you think you can do it on your own? You know, we're, we're really open. I mean, I think we have a really, we have a lot of conviction about our ability to execute uh, on a standalone basis, but, you know, I think we're in a huge market and, um, you know, the, the truth is that, you know, Amazon's going to be very successful in what it does. Um, but there's a, there's a consumer that really wants to be spoken to authentically and cares about values and also just doesn't want to shop at Amazon. And we, you know, we only need 1% of the grocery market and we're a $10 billion business. So we're, we're really excited about our ability to just continue to double down on our core investments around being an aspirational brand that sells previously premium products for less that really has an authentic social mission and uh, an educational content that informs and inspires people. And, and for us, what that means is, you know, when you're a member of Thrive, you know, you sponsor a free membership for a, a low income family. And when you're purchasing from Thrive, you, you know, you know that you're saving time and money for yourself and your family, but you're actually really doing good in the world. Like every single product we carry, every single product we develop personally, we innovate on the supply chain and we, we make it better. And often those are on environmental and social justice terms. So we, we think we have, you know, we're, we're much more than just an e-commerce utility. We, we are a community of people who, want to live healthy, but also want to do good in the world and, and save money while they're doing it. Yeah, I like this business uh, strategy you just talked about, whereas find a $10 billion market and just go for getting like 1% of that market. <laughs> you will be successful. That's a great business philosophy. Gunnar, what's a personal money philosophy that you have that may be in may exist because of your upbringing and your perspectives on life as someone, as you mentioned, growing up poor, single mom, bullied, has that impacted your, your relationship with money at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, so I, I mean, I think, you know, in, in very simple terms, I, I view money as energy. So it's just a currency of exchange. It's neither good or bad. It's really the shape that money takes is, is largely determined by, you know, what's motivated by the person directing that energy. And I think that, uh, I think that we've had a, you know, we've had a, we're, we're driven by very successful biological evolutionary pressure, um, around survival, which, you know, drives a lot of fear and greed, um, into our consciousness. And I think that we're at this really critical moment as a species where, you know, we have to recognize particularly those of us that have resources and, and are and are in business, we have to realize that our life is about servicing something greater than our own self-interest all the time. And I think that that's, you know, just generally speaking, I think that's, if there was one organizing principle that's that I'm dedicated to is, is really helping people recognize that, you know, we're immensely powerful and creative uh, if we, if we can face our fears on an ongoing basis. And, and to the extent that we, are able to gather uh, money and energy together, uh, we can direct that to have really positive, scalable impact. You told Worth Magazine in an interview that you're, you have a triple bottom line. That's people, planet, and profit. And it also called you an immigrant businessman. I know you were born in Spain, uh, but where is your allegiance, like sort of culturally and nationally? Um, do you have, uh, do you feel like, where's home for you? 
I mean, I'm super grateful to the United States. I mean, we came in here, you know, my mom is Argentinian, uh, Russian Jew, and my dad is, uh, you know, na- native Dominican, African, Spanish. So I'm, I'm kind of like a, a global mutt. And, um, <laughs> you know, my, my parents weren't, did not have a successful relationship. So my, my mother and I ended up uh, living here, uh, actually illegally for eight years as a child. And, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of survival trauma. And, um, that said, I mean, there's just very few countries in the world where you can go as a, an immigrant and, uh, and then have the success that I've been able to have. And, you know, I've, I've helped create thousands of jobs, uh, in, in my 25 years as a working professional. And I think the United States is just an amazing place in spite of all the challenges that we face. Um, obviously I, I view myself as a global citizen. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, uh, I'm deeply grateful, uh, for, for the United States. What was a memory from childhood that really you feel as an adult even has impacted your, you know, your sort of, we talked about relationship with money, but even, you know, your perspective on things, people talk about going back to, you know, witnessing how their parents managed money or didn't manage money well, or their lemonade stand or whatever. I mean, was there like a first introduction to money that you had as a kid and that the memory is still alive and well? Yeah. I mean, you know, there there were, as I've alluded to, there was a lot of, uh, financial and survival trauma very early on. And my, my parents really struggled financially. And, and then my mother, you know, when she, when she was as a single mom, you know, obviously that, that was even more intense. Um, and so, you know, there were periods of time as a child where, you know, we lived off of like rice or like a weird carrot cake bread that my mother made. Um, so like, I just remember the starkness of that. And, um, and I, I remember in a very, very early age, uh, you know, telling my mother that I was going to be rich and, uh, and that, uh, I just knew it. And she, she, you know, she would say, um, and she's always been supportive of me, but she was like, how can you know that you, you shouldn't say that you shouldn't get your expectations up. And I just knew that, um, you know, I just knew that I could see that it was a way to be able to take care of my family and, and also a way to do good in the world from a very early age. And, and so I think, you know, growing up super poor like that, I think just, you know, just really sharpened that goal as a focal point. Is it still a goal? I'm, I mean, sure that you've earned a lot of prosperity as an entrepreneur, but um, how do you, how do you define rich today and has it fulfilled all of the promises that you thought it would fulfill. I mean, that's, I think that's an uh, ongoing process. Um, you know, I think I, I've had a, a lot of success uh, on financial terms, but also at, at an interpersonal level. And I think that, I think, you know, real richness is defined by, you know, the comfort that one has in their own skin and whether one is living a life of, of meaning and purpose and, uh, doesn't really matter how much money you have. Um, you know, if those things aren't aligned and, you know, one is just a hungry ghost chasing for some uh, elusive financial objective, uh, or material gain, it's one is just never going to be happy. And so I think that, uh, I think that, you know, again, money, money is energy and, um, you know, it's, it's, I, the only reason I'm interested in gathering more money is because I'm, my life is dedicated to doing as much good as possible with those resources. And so 
you know, there was a point after I sold my first company where I I realized that I I wasn't my, like my life wasn't going to change all that much materially. And, and that, um, I was going to continue doing what I do. And, and that's really the case. Like if I had a billion or $10 billion, I, I would, I would be doing the work that I'm doing today, which is really figuring out how to have intelligent conversations at scale around some of the most important issues. And I think food is really at the center of that. I think we, I think we're in serious trouble as a species with 7 billion of us on the planet and we're, we're facing incredible challenges and, you know, food is uh, really primary to that. And we have to change the way that we're producing, distributing, marketing and consuming food. So I, I just feel like I'm in a great sweet spot around that, um, you know, being able to be part of the leadership of Thrive Market. Um, I think that I work with amazing people and I'm super grateful for the, the pa- passion and talent of the people that we attract. Um, and, and at a personal level, you know, I'm always trying to figure out how to get enough sleep and get the right level of exercise. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a constant process of, you know, dynamic tension associated with, you know, being in a high growth startup, which, you know, is, is a constant uh, process. What was your so money moment? We ask guests this often. This is a moment where you felt like a lot of your hard work and your financial planning had paid off, or it could be when you sold your first company and really, you know, hit it big and reinvested that money somehow. What, what would you say? Yeah. I mean, one so much, maybe you've had several. It was actually, it was when I sold my first company and it was, you know, so touch and go. It was right as the dot-com boom was collapsing and I, and I, and I was so close to, you know, good success there. And, uh, I was able to, to navigate, um, that in a, in a, in a really positive outcome, you know, as, as a 22 year old, you know, dropping out of college. So I was, I was just, there was a moment where I'm, I mean, I grew up on an organic farm and I'm, I'm actually a country boy at heart. And so I find a lot of my own personal power and reflection comes from spending time in nature. And there's a, a beautiful river, um, in, in a, in the town that I grew up on called in, in Ojai, Ojai, California. Um, and I, I literally, right after I signed the contract and got the checks and like all that for, for selling my first company, I, I went and literally just went and lied down in this beautiful river that I, I really love. And I just had this profound recognition and realization that I wasn't like not a lot was going to change about my life, but that I had already arrived and that the the only thing that really mattered for me was, you know, really learning how to integrate that at a personal level and to, um, you know, just to, to stop relating to life with so much fear. And, uh, you know, I've spent the last you know 18 years since that transaction, um, spending a lot of time, uh, getting better and more capable, but also re- really, uh, you know, doing a lot of personal inquiry around fear. Hmm. What have you discovered? Uh, well, I think, uh, a lot of things, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, we're, I know for myself, you know, there's, there, there has been a lot of fear. And I think a lot of that is just by virtue of, um, our conditioning and programming biologically. And then I think a lot of that is by virtue of, uh, you know, a lot of survival trauma that came in early as a childhood. I think that, uh, you know, one of my favorite teachers, um, speaks about courage 
And he says that courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to persist in the presence of fear. And I think that that's, I feel really, uh, that that really, uh, is a great way to live one's life. Um, and, um, that, uh, it, this, this time that we inhabit is so filled with capability and possibility that we never before have we had the tools and technology and resources that we have as a species. And I think that, you know, we, we have the best problems in the history of our species, but it's also a time that requires great courage. And, um, and that, that, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be afraid. And, and in fact, often we will be afraid and we need to persist even if we're, if we're scared. And I think that also that, that wording recognizes that, you know, there, fear is fear and fear exists. And there's such a thing as, I mean, it's almost like coming, when you come to terms with it or when you face it or when you dance with the fear, as Tony Robbins says, that's actually a much more powerful thing. And that's when you have breakthroughs. And so ignoring it is sort of like, you think it's a shortcut, but you haven't really shortcut anything. Yeah. And I, I think that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's either this force that paralyzes us unconsciously all the time, or it's a way to reflect on limitations and possibilities that can guide us and act and actually serve as a fuel. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how I discovered this, but in college, I started to recognize that, you know, I actually needed to consciously approach my fears and, um, and, you know, it's been very much like a barometer, like it, wherever I have uh, a lot of fear, I actually spend a lot of time, uh, tr- trying to draw it out and replicate it and, and see, see what it, what, what the root of it is. Um, and I, that, that's been, you know, very effective for me. I think that everybody has their own ways and there isn't an, an absolute right way or wrong way to, uh, realize our full potential. But it, at the end of the day, if, if we're paralyzed by fear, there's no way we're going to be able to reach our full potential. And, you know, so that, that's, that's been a, you know, and, and, and the truth is that a lot of our fear is tied up in survival issues. Um, and, and so scarcity, scarcity and, and money, money is at the core of that, obviously. Do you, so I was going to ask, do you have a fear tied to money oh, yeah. that you're working oh, through? Yeah. What are some of your financial fears? I mean, just you know, not enough. Um, you know, um, um, I mean, that's, that's, I think it's just it's that, that, I think that's a really fundamental like, biological program. And then it gets augmented by whatever our, you know, conditioning and history is. And I think it's actually been a very successful biological program in terms of kind of the evolution of our species. You know, we've been incredibly successful, largely because we're so afraid um, and, and creative in our capabilities of managing, uh, managing those, uh, those risks. But, um, you know, I think that uh, I think that, you know, this this is a time, particularly those of us that have resources, it's not. It's not like we're, we're going to starve. And so we, we have an opportunity to uh, move beyond some of these core um, kind of restrictive self-absorbed tendencies that fear generates. And I think that, you know, we're, we're at a place where particularly those of us that have resources and the capability to gather resources and affect things at scale is that we, we do, we really need to work together to uh, imbue our capital system, our supply chains, our businesses with, with a lot more holistic values that, that really reflect the real costs of the products that we make. 
I think one of the challenges of capitalism today and historically has, has really been that the price that we pay for our products doesn't reflect the real cost of those products. And, and that that's in the negative externalities of, you know, the chemicals that are produced from the jeans that I wear, or where is the oil that I, you know, use in my car produced from. Um, and so we, I think in, in the world of money and in business, we have an opportunity to really to build uh, socially conscious businesses that scale and participate and reward businesses that are working to do a better way. Gnar, thank you so much. Before I let you go, though, let's let's do some really quick, uh, as I call them, like round robin, so money, fill in the blanks, just to sort of end on sometimes a hilarious okay, note, I'm but down. also, you know, just stream of consciousness. I start a sentence and then you finish yep. it. So if I won the power lotto, whatever it's called, Powerball, I don't even, I don't play it, but let's say you won more money than God. What the first thing I would do is I would keep doing what I'm doing. That's it. It's just hacking just, away just, at drive. Just, just hacking away and creating <laughs> innovative media projects and trying, trying to raise consciousness around these issues. I love it. The one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is I have great personal assistant and a great project manager. And that just, it, I'm so grateful for the support that I get at that level. Cause it gives me a lot of scale and leverage. Did you interview a ton of people or you just got lucky? Um, both. I mean, it depends, you know, it, 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 it's a, uh, I have a really great team right now at that level. And, um, I got lucky on the, on the last batch. I know that's uh, you, you can't, you can't clone yourself. So in the meantime, find people who uh, love your work as much as yeah. you do to support you. All right. When I splurge like big time, you know, it's not every day, but when you splurge, the one thing I love to buy is I, I, I'm, I, I spend obscene amounts on high quality, healthy food. And, uh, that's, uh, but why aren't you shopping at Thrive Market? Uh, of course, but I still, I mean, I just, I'm like a, you know, hypochondriac and I'm a neurotic that I'm dying of one disease or another. So I've, always, I've got the most intense supplement arsenal. What's the craziest thing that you buy? Like, is it some sort of organic thing from another country that you ship no, in that's only made no, once a year? I mean, it's not that crazy, but it's, I, I mean, like... You know, when you, when you work super hard for me, my immune system is, I'm constantly, you know, dealing with lack of sleep and traveling. And so I buy a lot of really expensive probiotics and this great immune uh, formula called host defense, which is a reishi and chaga. And it just like those types of things are expensive, but they really like 80% of the immune function is regulated out of the intestinal tract. So I found this great hack where the moment I start to feel sick, I start to take probiotics every hour or two and I just don't get sick. I am writing that down. Probiotics every two hours. Yeah, the moment you feel a little tinge in your throat, a little, like a little, you just start taking them every hour so or two. I used to take echinacea, it's but this is more potent. Way better. And we sell this great temperature stable probiotic that you can travel with. So I have it in my car, my bag, my luggage, my office, my house. And I always have it on me. And the moment I feel like just a little tinge, which is somewhat often because I'm working and not sleeping that often. It's irregular. So I just, I just go in these bursts and it just hyper stimulates the immune system. That's a good tip. That's a good hack. All right. When I donate, I like to give to blank because. 
You know, I'm really, uh, I'm really attracted to environmental and health issues. Um, I think that, you know, we, uh, we have been incredibly creative in, uh, creating lots of beautiful material objects, but, uh, we don't recognize the cost that that has on so many other life forms. And I think the natural beauty of nature and trees and clean water and healthy soil, uh, I think it's something that we really need to spend a lot more resources on. So it's something I'm deeply passionate about. And last but not least, I'm Gennar Lovelace. I'm so money because I'm say it with a smile. Uh, I'm, I'm more effective, creative, and generous than I've ever been, and I'm deeply grateful for that. It's a great place to be. It was really, really a pleasure Thank to you. be with you. We really love your work, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Gennar. Thanks so much to Gennar for stopping by. Go to thrivemarket.com slash so money and learn more about how you can get $60 worth of free healthy food. You can follow Thrive Market on Twitter at ThriveMKT. Gennar is also on Twitter at Gennar Lovelace. If you missed any of this, just hop over to somoneypodcast.com and you can download the audio as well as the transcript. And if you have a question for me, a question about money, careers, everything in between, click on Ask Farnoosh at the top right, leave your question there or leave a voicemail and I will add it to the Friday episodes. Thanks for tuning in everyone and I hope your day is so money. Money.